0: Yo, this is Pastor Teeter here, welcoming you to another episode of my Revolutionary Podcast, where I'm here to help you find faith in Christ and how to follow through with your life. Now, today, we're continuing our series called, I'll Do It Tomorrow, Finding the Power to Change which has nothing to do with your New Year's resolution, okay? I just want you to know. Now, I ain't gonna lie. There's things that we're talking about that will help you to find the power to change, to create those new habits and things you want. But the change that we're talking about is being changed by the power of God's love, truth, and presence, because that's the kind of change that we will see out in the world. Now, for us to be able to do that, in order to find the power to change, we need to find the power to fight against procrastination, and that's what we're going to focus on today. Bottom line, or the subtitle of the series is, I'll do it tomorrow, finding the power to change, and that's the key right there, finding the power to change, to see the change that in us, around us, right, finding the power to change. But you and I have a problem finding the power to change because we tend to procrastinate, don't we, right? That's it, right? Trying to find the power to change is really trying to find the willpower not to procrastinate. Anybody? Hey, this is church time. No lying. Who's a self-proclaimed procrastinator real quick? Anybody? Anybody? you got an issue. Let's be real. We all do, but some of y'all are a little extra. Some of y'all are extra. Online, be real. Come on, expose yourself right now. This is me. Yep, I'm out yourself, all right? Listen, procrastinating is the thing that we need to tackle if we want to see that kind of change in our lives. But, and you guys know this to be true, we cannot progress if we procrastinate on the things that matter most. Right? There are certain things that we ought to do tomorrow. Right, There's certain things that are really not that important. That was like, look, this can wait. Right, This can wait. What matters is, is do we understand which matters most? And that's the part. If we want to progress in your life, in your faith, and whatever, you need to avoid procrastinating the things that matter most. And I was looking at that because really that's what we want to tackle today. Because the problems that you and I are seeing in your life, I guarantee it, Pick any problem. You would talk to me in a minute and tell me. Any problem that you are facing right now, all right, or we, can, or we can even argue, let's zoom out. Any problem that we are seeing in the world, in the nation, I guarantee you we can look back and at some point, not all, not all problems, but a good chunk of them, the problems that we have today is because at some point somebody procrastinated yesterday, right? We get problems today because we procrastinated yesterday. We, we find out that, uh-oh, we get that bad medical report today because you procrastinated on taking care of yourself in the last decade or so, You feel me on that, right? You get that letter today, uh-oh, I lost my job and I have no savings. Now what? And you realize, I shouldn't have spent all that money on a pinball machine and all this stuff and going here and doing that I was like oh what did I do right you procrastinated saving and now you have an issue you feel me on that that that, almost a lot of our problems that we have today is because we procrastinated yesterday now why do we procrastinate I want you guys to ask yourself this question think now there's one thing that it kind of shook me a little bit I was like wow I didn't even know about this and I realized yeah I do that too See, procrastinating isn't just delaying something, right? When you think of procrastinating, what do you think of? Online, tell me. What, what do you think of? Somebody who procrastinates, what kind of a person are they? They are lazy, right? You assume that person procrastinates, that person is lazy. Can it be? Yes, obviously, right? You mean like, I got, I got time. I just would rather do what I want to do, not what I need to do, right? And so we say, some of us procrastinate and delay things because we're lazy, But there was something that hit me. I'm like, wow. There's another reason why sometimes people procrastinate. And hopefully this gives us a little bit more compassion on these kind of people. Ready? And maybe even on yourself. Procrastinating isn't actually just delaying something. I want you to listen to this because you know this to be true. Procrastinating is delaying something against your better judgment. Think of that. You know now is the right time to do it. You know, this is when I should do it. This is the right thing to do today. But I'm just gonna do it. What? More. Procrastinating is actually against the things that matter most. It's really us making a judgment call and going against our better judgment. That's, humans are really interesting, aren't we? Right? It's like we know better and we talk ourselves. It was like, you know, you should do that, right? Yeah, I know, but you know come on now, you know, you wake up tomorrow, bro, But I, I want to watch this show. I'm, I'm like four episodes in. I'm binging on this. I'm like, it'll still be there tomorrow. Yeah, but I don't know. Like, that's us. That's you and I. Like we go against our better judgment. And when you and I go against our better judgment, do you think things are going to get any better? Do you? If we go against our better judgment, things don't necessarily get better. But here's another thing that is really a little deeper that shook me a little bit. Not every time we procrastinate is because somebody is lazy. Some of y'all are going to need to repent and ask for forgiveness. If you find out this is the kind of person you've been ripping, all right? Sometimes studies show that people procrastinate because they are wrestling with negative feelings, emotions, and challenges. And they are so overwhelmed in the moment, they can't find the energy to do what they need to do today. So they put off important things for tomorrow, not because they're lazy, but because they're struggling. And, I mean, they'll show things like like self-doubt, low self-esteem, anxiety, insecurity. All of these things can fuel fuel this lack of desire to do anything. Think about that. How many times? I'm pretty sure you'll be like, wow, yeah. You ever get in that rut? You ever get caught in your feelings and you don't want to do anything? You get me on that, right? You just caught in your feelings. You don't want to do anything, right? You just want to sit around and mope, right? It's not because you're lazy. It's because you are overwhelmed. Think about that. And now here's the thing, though. Regardless if you're lazy or regardless if you're overwhelmed, okay, understand that we just, things won't get better like that. In fact, if you try, if you're overwhelmed and you're not able and you're putting important things off for tomorrow, listen, what you're doing is coping. I understand. Sometimes life is hard, and you do what you can to cope. Some people that procrastinate are coping with the reality of that. They don't want to face reality because reality is too ugly. Reality is too difficult. They don't know how they're going to get out of this. They don't know if it's going to get any better, so I'd rather just escape. That's sometimes what we do. That's coping. But let me tell you, in Christ, we don't have a way to cope. In Christ, we have hope. Hope, not wishful thinking. No, a hope that gives us confidence, a hope that gives us that power to do whatever is necessary just to take a step today, just to take a breath today. That's what we have in Christ, not a means to cope, but a way to find hope for this world. That's what we have. But understand, guys, regardless if you're lazy or you're struggling, there is a price to pay for your passivity. There is a price to pay for your passivity. If you go against your better judgment, things won't get better, understand. But the good news, guys, is that Jesus paid the ultimate price. He paid the ultimate price so that we can be made right with God and so that God can lead us to do what is right at the right time so that he can produce the right kind of results. That's what Jesus gives us right there. The ability and the power to do what we need to do today. And so we're going to look at James. James happens to be Jesus's uh, half-brother, which is a great story in and of itself, but we're not going to talk about that. James is a, a character we're going to read his, uh, in the book of James, chapter 4. And James put his faith in Jesus as the Savior of the world after Jesus died on the cross. James did not believe his older brother was who he said he was. He didn't. But when, I don't know about you, but if you had a brother, okay, look, I got a brother. If, if you had a relative, if you had a best friend, that said, he said, look, this is who I am, and I'm going to die, and I'm going to rise from the dead three days later, and here's what's going to happen. And my guy pulls it off. At least you're going to, look, all right, let's just, I'm going to think about it. At least, right? If not, I'm like, oh, okay, all right then. That's different. James grew up thinking his older brother was nuts. I'm like, okay, I don't know. But James, James put his faith in Jesus because he saw His brother die. He saw his brother buried, but then he saw his brother in the flesh, face to face, alive again. And so James was shook. And ever since then, James became the pastor of Jerusalem in the epicenter of this time where it was probably the the hardest that any Christian was experiencing right there. They were at at the middle of that storm. And so he writes this letter to other Christians who are struggling. And let's just read James 4. We're going to read 13 through 17, and look at these words that he says to them. James 4, 13 through 17. If you don't got it, we're going to put it on the screen. Here we go. It says, come now. He's like, come on, guys. I, I need you to pay attention for a second. Come on. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will travel to such and such a city and spend a year there, we'll do business, and we'll make a profit. Yet you do not know, James is telling them, you do not know what tomorrow will bring what your life will be, for you are like a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you should say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. But as it is in your current condition and what you're doing and living and thinking, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So it is sin, check this out, it's a sin to know the good, and yet what? Not do it. It is a sin to know the good and not do it. So James, he's talking to a bunch of Christians who are really struggling. Again, the, the Christians that he's writing to during this time, the original audience, were all spread out. They were kind of social distance and semi-quarantine, not out of, uh, you know, compassion. It's because they were being hunted down by their government. That's what that was happening. And they're out there and they're kind of, you know, having some real life issues, okay? That's that's drama right there. And he is pretty much calling out some of them who are saying, listen, instead of facing your problems, you're trying to cope. Instead of trying to really have hope, the holding on to the hope that you have in Jesus, you're trying to cope with today's problems by saying, you know what, things will get better right? It'll all be, be fine soon. You know, maybe in a year from now, you know, we'll be in the city. We'll be living it up, right? We'll be over here. Things will be, you know, we'll be back to normal, right? We can make some money. We'll get our job back. Things are going to go back to normal. Doesn't sound a little familiar, right? A little bit, just a little bit. And so it's like, look, it'll be fine. It'll be fine, right? And that's, he's calling them out and saying, you guys are being idiots, pretty much. It's like, no, don't do that. Don't think like that, because that is not helpful. Because you are holding, instead of holding on to the promises of God, you guys are holding on to presumptions. You guys know what presumptions are? It's a guess. But, but you're pretending like the guess is guaranteed. That's like, that doesn't make sense. Why do that? Listen, what the way they were, they were acting is a way that you and I, if we're not careful, we act this way. James is calling out these Christians for acting like practical atheists. You know what a practical atheist is? A practical atheist is someone who believes that God exists but behaves like he doesn't. That's a practical atheist. They'll they'll say one thing, they'll act like angels on Sunday, but act like demons every other day of the week. That's a practical atheist. They know when to put on a show, but they live their life like if God doesn't exist. They don't really they make decisions without thinking about God. They they live in a kind of way, they do what they want to do, they make plans. Without including God. Did you notice at any point, did you say, hey, guys, in a year from now, in a year from now, if God allows, was God in any of that statement? No. Hey, you know what we're going to do a year from now? Here's what we're going to do. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. They're making all these plans without God. All right? That's called being a practical atheist. Look, telling you, how do you think your relationship would go? Those in a romantic relationship and you're married, tell me how, how, how do you think this will play out? Okay? You're married, but you live your life like you're you're not married. It's going to go good. Am I going to ask for, you you think we're going to look to that person for marital advice, right? They're married, but they never include their spouse on what they're doing. They never include their spouse on their whereabouts. They turn that GPS tracker off on their phone. Some of y'all ladies, I know y'all know how, y'all got skills. Y'all got skills. Y'all got skills, Sending drones really soon to be following some of these fellas. That's, that's going to be real. That's 2022 stuff. You'll see. Right? Could you imagine making plans and doing this and not including your significant other? How is your relationship going to be? Obviously, it wouldn't work. Well, there's people that do that with God. They make plans about their life. They make plans about their future. And they don't include God. Now, is it wrong to make plans? No. It's actually Biblical and wise, it is actually God-like to consider time. It is okay to make plans. Look, I plan my week. I plan my day. I plan my month. I plan my quarters three months out. I plan my year. I have an 18-month plan on a lot of things when it comes to family and church. I plan. You know, I got some plans that are five years out, right? So planning is not the issue. Planning without prayer, meaning planning without including God, considering God, that's the problem. That's the problem. And the reason why he says that's a problem, did you look at that next verse? He says, the reason why this is a bad way to think is because you do not know what tomorrow will bring. You can't assume this is going to happen. You can't say, oh, I'll have time tomorrow to call that person. But what happens if something unexpected happens tomorrow? Now you can't get around to what you were supposed to do, right? That happens all the time. We put off to tomorrow, and then something happens that we weren't expecting, and now we can't, Right? Oh, you know what? He even says, not only do you know what tomorrow will bring, or you don't even know what your life will be. Yo, a year from now, this is where we're going to go. A year from now, this is what we're going to do. Guaranteed. Yet you don't know. You don't know what your life will be. You don't know if you'll be broke. You don't know if you'll be sick. You don't even know if you're going to be around, right? That's just the reality of it. The problem is, guys, is that life is short and we just can't assume that tomorrow will be here. We just can't live like that and put important things off that we should do today, tomorrow. You do not know. Life is too short. Did you see the example that he gave? He said, life is like a vapor. Okay? Life is like, look, I, I, I'm going uh, give me a second. If you're listening to the podcast later, you're not watching the video. Can I get a zoom in on this really quick? I am I have a diffuser for those of you that if you're listening online and you can't see what's happening. I have a diffuser on stage that is full of, uh, you know, essential oils, you know, me and me and my wife were Disney dorks. And so we literally have essential oils that smell like Disney rides. The smell that you are right here, it's from Pirates of the Caribbean. Okay, the smell of the Pirates of the Caribbean, the ride, it's right here. So y'all got to, those of you that are here, here's the perk about coming to church. You can get to sniff this later, okay, so it's, it's amazing. So do you guys, can you see, if you're, if you're listening to this, you know what vapor looks like. But I want you guys to, those of you can, can you see this vapor really quick? Do you see that? This is vapor. Now, look at vapor. Look how delicate it is. Look, can I, can I capture vapor? Can I, can I grab it? Look, can I hold it? I can't. Can, can I, like, trap it? So it just stays in this pocket of vapor forever? No, look, this, that vapor, there it is, it's gone. So is this one? That, that, I, I can't control it. Listen, he's like, this is your life. This is life. You're like this simple, delicate vapor that you, you can be here today and gone tomorrow. Look, just the simplest thing. Whew, there it is. Look at that. It's gone. That's us. That's life. It's just this vapor. It's, it goes faster than you realize. And if you put off important things for today, you might not have the chance. You might not be here tomorrow to do those things. And so what we need to do is do what you and I are already good at. We just have to apply this skill to other things. You guys know this is the skill that we're good at. You and, all, you and I all are really good at counting our years. How, long, how many years have you lived in this world? I can go to each and every one of you and tell you, ask you, how old are you? How old are you? How old are you? Some of y'all going to lie, but it's okay. How old are you? How old are you? How old are you? Right? And you'll tell me a number. I'm 37. I'll be 38 next week. Uh, next month. Sorry. Listen, we're all good at counting the years that we've lived our lives. How good are we at are, are are making today count? See, you see the difference? That's what matters. Make today count because you don't know if you will be here tomorrow. You don't know. If that person, if someone else would be here tomorrow, right? And so listen, I mean, some of you have known, and we, we, we made an announcement that we had one of our dear friends, long member, deacon of our church, which is a leader. If you don't know what a deacon is, she's pretty much like a department head of our worship ministry. Her name was, her name was Laura Soto, and she, a little older than me, not that much old, not, a little older than me, she passed away a couple days ago from a really hot, hard-fought Battle with cancer. And things like that put us to remember, this is life. This is life. We could be here today. you, You don't know. You don't know when tomorrow will be. You don't know when that will happen. But you know what we can tell you about Laura? Oh, she made her life count. Just talk to anybody who was with her. She made her life count. Same thing, guys. That's what we're called to do. Make today count because you don't know if you'll have a chance tomorrow you won't know if you'll have that person to talk to tomorrow you have to make today count and how do we do that by accounting for God you and I need to account for God in our day today meaning we got to include him we don't procrastinate on God you don't put God off until tomorrow that's why I said last week right those when you follow Jesus today you'll have less regrets tomorrow If you follow Jesus today, you have less regrets tomorrow. You gotta account for God in your life today. Why? Because you are going to give an account to your life one day to God. You are going to give an account to God one day and so you need to account for God today. Consider him, include him. That's what matters. Notice what the prayer he says. Look, don't think like that. Instead, you should say and live in this way. If the Lord wills, see, now God's in the picture. If the Lord wills, if the Lord desires, if the Lord empowers, if the Lord allows, then I will live that day, I'll be alive, right? If the Lord allows, we will live and maybe we'll do this or that. That's the key, that is accounting for God in your day in what you do. That is the way that you and I ought to live. That is the way that we find true life, when we include the giver of our life. Every single day. And when we walk in his will. Because he says if the Lord wills. Some of you guys might not understand this. The will of God is his heart. It's his desire. It's his plans. And God has two kind of wills. One will that he would wish would happen. And it's called, I'll just tell you what it is. God wills. His will is for all men to be saved. But God cannot save you against your will. He can't save you against your will. But it is his will for you to be saved, but that's not a guarantee. But then there's another will of God that's going to happen no matter what. It's going to happen no matter what, and he's determined for that to happen. So you and I need to walk according to the will of God. But I've had conversations with some of you, and I've had this one too. Oh, but, 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 this is how you look to me. Okay, just so you know, right? But, 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 what if, what if God's will for, what if God, his will for my life is something I'm not going to like? you know, what if, what if his will is for me to have this job that is, that's not what I wanted, that's not what I wanted to do, that's not my hopes and my, and my dreams, like, what if, what if God's will is for me to get married to someone who's just so ugly and annoying, you know, what if his, what if his will is for that, and you sound silly, just so you know, listen, I get it, you're afraid. But you know what, though? You know what that kind of thinking means? You don't trust God. You don't trust him. And okay, then maybe you just need to encounter him a little bit better. But I want you to understand that God's will is not a burden. It's a blessing. God's will is not a burden. It's a blessing. Paul himself would say the will of God is not chains. The will of God is not chains that limits you. No, the will of God is the key that unlocks you and frees you. That is what the will of God is. It's a good thing. You want it. The will of God is actually everything you really want out of life. Everything you are looking for and hoping to find everywhere else, it's all in the the will of God is actually what you need. That's what it is. It is a blessing. Understand, though, that the will of God is not an option. It's an obligation. The will of God is not an option to include God. There's things that it is in his will that we are called to do. I mean, like, "Ah, look, God, this is what we are. We are selective with his will. we like... I, like, like if you're ordering from a menu, right? Look, I'll take a number one, right, with a side of this. Some of y'all go to God and I'm like, look, I just kind of want to know what kind of, where should I go to school, what kind of career should I have, and who am I going to marry from there? God, I got it. I got it from there. Do you think God's going to give you and help you understand that specific will, which is selfish, by the way, compared, and if you don't want to care about his general will, that's you. That's what you want. You can't find a life like that when you play that, you know, fast food game with God. You can't. You can't. So then, all right, pastor, fine. I get it. It's not an obligation. It's a blessing. It's not a curse. Okay. So then how do I find the will of God? I'm glad you asked. All right. I'm got you. I'm glad you asked. Okay. How do you know what the will of God is? Well, understand that the will of God is rooted in the heart of God. The root, the will of God is, comes from the heart of God, and his heart is for you. His heart is for good things. The will of God is rooted in the heart of God, and the heart of God is revealed in the word of God. That's it. Follow the bread trails all the way. If you want to know the will of God, you need to understand the heart of God. You want to understand the heart of God? You need to get in the word of God. That's it. God's word will reveal his heart, will then allow you to walk by his will. There you go. You're welcome. No tips, no, that's for free, right there. That's it. That is what we are called to do. But if you don't, ah, but I don't wanna do that. All right, then you ain't gonna find God's will then. You need to understand the will of God is found in the heart of God, which is revealed in the word of God. And understand, again, this is not an option. Did you see how he finished this idea? But as it is, see, that's how you should give it, you should account for God in your life. But as it is, you boast in your, look at this word, arrogance. Pride. You think you don't need God when you think this way. You boast in your arrogance. All such boasting, he said, is evil. So it is sin to know the good, yet not do it. That's called the sin of omission. Do you guys know that a sin of commission means you do something that's wrong? The sin of omission is you don't do what's right. You can sin by not doing anything, by not doing the right thing. That's the sin of omission. And think about that. That's kind of like a double one. Like if you know, some of y'all believers, some of y'all Christians, some of y'all know God's word, and some of y'all know I shouldn't do this. But I'm gonna do it anyways and ask for forgiveness tomorrow. Not only is that act of sin, so it's like a double whammy. Not only is that act of sin, but also is that thinking. Because not only did you say no to God, you said yes to this, and that's a double situation. Look at that. And I need you guys to understand willful ignorance Willful ignorance and willful disobedience to the will of God is evil. It's a sin, and it will not produce the right things in your life. Willful ignorance means, look, I don't know what's in here, and I don't care. You you feel me on that? That's willful ignorance. I don't know what God's word has to say, and I don't care. That's willful ignorance. That's evil. That's pride. Or willful disobedience. Oh, I know what's in there, and I still don't care. Okay. Here's the thing, I want you guys to know, if you don't know what sin, sin is, sin is anything that, is a, that goes against God's word, God's ways. And things don't work that way. It doesn't, all right? It's like, look, I want to take my oven, and I'm going to shove my clothes and laundry detergent in my oven. Is it going to wash my clothes? No. No. Because I'm going against the manual, I'm going against the instructions. If I put all my clothes and laundry in the oven and I put all my food in my washing machine, is it gonna work? No, because that's not how it was designed to. Guys, this world and you were designed to operate according to the will of God. That's how you're supposed to do, that's how things work. But understand, guys, the, the fact that this is sin, and he's talking to Christians, by the way, he's talking to Christians. Now, if you're a non-believer in Christ, and, and you know, that's, that's something else. But here he's addressing Christians, and he's saying, listen, if you live this way, this is arrogant. When you live in this way, and you are a Christian, and you sin in this way, forget God. Yeah, okay, I got, God saved me, but I think I got it from here. You know, I'll, just, I'll catch you on the flip side, right? As, uh, I'll see you later. When you live like that, that sin will produce a loss of connection. You will not get to experience the fullness of what God has for you now. You lose a connection today, and you will lose eternal rewards tomorrow, whenever eternity comes. This is not a way to live. This is not a way of thinking. In fact, let me just kind of check you real quick on this, because the big idea of chapter 4, we just read the back end of chapter 4. When you look at the whole thing of chapter 4, this is kind of the conclusion. He's pretty much telling them in this area, listen, if you are not walking in the will of God, you will find yourself at war with God. If you are not walking in the will of God, you're going to find yourself at war with God, at war with each other. That's how chapter 4 opens up. Why are you guys fighting? Why are you guys this? Man, James could quote this to everybody right now. Let James get on Twitter real quick. And let, let him get on Twitter and be like, why are you guys at each other's throats talking to Christians? Listen, it's one thing to disagree. It's one thing to have an opinion. But it's another thing. No matter even in our disagreements, there ought to be love. Disagreement should not lead to that kind of division that leads me to now hate you. I, you know, I cannot like what you think. I cannot like your conclusion. But I am still called to love the person on the other side of my opinion. Because Jesus died for the person on the other side of my opinion. I can't lose sight of what's bigger and what's more important. And so with that, he said, why are, why is everybody at war with each other? Why are you guys arguing? Why are you guys fighting? Why are you guys even fighting with God? It's because you guys aren't walking in God's will. You, and you're not walking in God's will because you can care less about what his word had to say. It's important. If you don't find yourself, if you are, if you are not walking in God's will, you will find yourself walk in, uh, at war with God. And now you can mean well in all you say. You can mean well in all that you do, but things won't really end well if it's not in God's word you can mean well but it won't end well if you're out of God's will you'll end up being a troublemaker not a peacemaker that's what matters that's what matters in the end that's what matters there you're you're not a part of the problem you're a part of the problem not a part of the solution so what happens and what are we called then to do well first off Jesus we have to remember that you and I before we were saved if those are that word we were all at war with God that's what sin is We were all born in this war. And everything that you see outside in the world, any of the arguing and the negativity and the bad things that you know this shouldn't be right, and it's riddled everywhere, right? All of that is just the fruit. It's all the rotten fruit, and the roots dig all the way right here. Those are all just the rotten fruit. Those are the symptoms. The true core is what's deep down in our souls. And Jesus did what was possible to bring peace between us and God, to end that war, the end, that hostility so that he can make a difference. He's done all those things, but here's what we need to do then today because we need to learn how to walk in God's will, not war with God, not argue with him because things won't get better. You know, we will lose our connection, lose our reward. So the bottom line is this, put off procrastination, put off procrastinating the things of God, you know, I'm sorry, let me say that differently. Put off procrastination for tomorrow, okay? Don't procrastinate on the things of God today. Procrastinate tomorrow. If you get it, I'm, you know, meaning just always tomorrow, never procrastinate. Hopefully you guys got that. All right. But anyways, all right. Always put procrastinating for tomorrow. Always put procrastinating tomorrow so that your amen can become action today. That's it. Your amen needs to be action today. James, at the beginning of his book, he opens up by telling him, listen, don't just be hearers of God's word. Be doers of God's word. You got to be a hearer and a doer. You just can't say amen and then your action don't match. You feel that? You just can't say amen to something and then your action does not. Your amen needs to turn into action, and it is by the power of the Spirit. When we say amen, which, you know, amen has been in the news a lot, so let me just give you an education. Amen just means truth. Amen means I agree. Amen means let it be so. That's what amen means. When you say amen, you're saying, I believe. That's what amen means. I believe. And when you say amen, you you are saying, I want to come into alignment with God. And when you say amen to the things of God, when you agree with God, then God does a work in you to turn the amen into action. He does it in you, but you got to allow him. He does it in you. He turns that amen into action. Let me give you one practical step. Look at Proverbs. All right, here's the thing of wisdom. we got one quick verse here. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, King Solomon says this is a very popular phrase. Look, it sounds very similar to what James said. Hundreds of years apart, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, some of y'all memorize this. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. And look at this. Do not rely on your understanding. Do not rely on your presumptions. Do not rely on your guessing. Do not rely on just meaning you When he says rely, he's not saying don't make an educated guess or don't make an educated decision. What he's saying is include God. Don't just fully rely 100% on you and zero on God. So he says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Trust in him in all of your ways. Don't rely on your understanding. In all your ways, know him. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And what will he do? And he will make your path straight. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. You know what Proverbs, is, you know, King Solomon is saying? It's like what James was saying. You have to account for God in your life. Trust in him with everything. Include him in everything, right? And know him. Do what you can and all. And there should not be one area of your life that God is not sovereign over. God is sovereign over everything, and so include him in all these things so that he will make your path straight. It doesn't mean that you won't have a problem. It doesn't mean that you won't have an obstacle. It doesn't mean that life will be easy. It just means that you'll know where to go. That's what it means. He'll make your path straight. You will know what to do today. You will know what action to take today. Even if you made a mistake yesterday, he will show you how to get on the right path. That's what God's will is. That even when we don't follow his will, God will make all things work together for good who those who trust and love him. Even if we make go a left instead of a right, he'll course correct that. That's what, but we gotta trust in him, include him, look to him. Now, I'm not telling you that you gotta, all right, God, we're back at the fast food situation. Jesus, should I order number five or number four? Because I can't rely on my own understanding, so I have to acknowledge you in all things, and so should I order number five or number four? What do I do, Jesus? Hold on, ma'am, wait a second. I'm waiting on Jesus to tell me what to order. Okay, he's not telling me that, anymore. right? No, I don't, don't be that extra. Don't be that extreme because do you guys know that the Apostle Paul, and if there was anybody in the Bible that I would say, look, I get one person to say this guy knows God's voice, I'd pick Paul. I'm just gonna be real. Do you guys know how many times Paul in his own scriptures would say, it seemed right for us to go here? It seemed right by the Spirit for us to go do this it seemed right that we not go that way it seemed right that we not do that by the spirit do you know how many times was paul 100 percent sure that's what god wanted no so it's okay if you don't know everyone you're not 100 it's not about the little things but notice what did he say it seemed right to us according to the holy spirit god was in the mix god was in the mix so they held every decision everything in their life like saying all right god I'm going, and by the way, knowing God's word helps. So again, back to that. But he's like, all right, I'm going to make this plan. But Lord, in the end, if it be your will, lead me. Sometimes by you trying, trusting involves you trying. And as you try, you begin to see, oh, that's how, okay. And sometimes by making the mistake, you get to learn, oh, that's not God's word. Oh, this is, okay. And that's, you're going to learn like that. You grow like that. But you have to trust. In him, include him. And trust just looks like this little diffuser on that chair. Trust looks like you tonight when you lay down in your bed. Why did I put that diffuser on this chair? Because I know that the chair is strong enough to hold it up. I trust that the chair would not collapse. So I put this in faith on there. You and I, you're going to go lay down in your bed tonight. You guys are going to lay down in your bed tonight, and you're going to put your full weight on that bed, aren't you? You're going to put your full weight on that bed. Why? Because you trust that the bed will hold you up, right? You all sat in chairs. You guys are sitting in whatever thing right now. You guys are watching me online or here. Why did you sit down in this chair without, did you, did you check it for a minute? Did you make sure it was, no, you just sat down because you trusted that it was going to hold you up. That is how we trust in Jesus. Even if things seem right, or even if things seem to not go right, you can look in the world and say, oh, God, hold on. This doesn't seem right. Why is this happening? Why is that happening? Why is this going on? Why is that going on? Things don't seem like they're going right, but you can still, in that moment, God can show you what you need to do today, but you got to trust and pull your full weight on him. Some, for some of us, it takes some time. But it's worth it, guys. Put your full weight on him to trust him because he is enough. Listen, if you were dangling off of a cliff and your grip was slipping, and I had to throw something so you can grab a hold of it so that you could be saved so that you wouldn't fall, would you rather me throw some spider web by at you, not Spider-Man style, like, not like that, like legit a web, you know a string a spider web string? Would you rather me throw some spiderweb string by you or a chain, a metal chain? Which one would you rather grab and hold on to to save your life? The chain, right? Why? I mean, spider webs are strong. You ever see one of these, you know, big animals that are, you know, get caught and trapped and can't get out? Spider webs are strong, right? But compared to you, is it strong enough? No, it's just, whew, it's going to slip through. You wouldn't grab the spider web. You would grab the chain because the chain is stronger. Listen. Jesus is the only thing that's strong enough to save us. You grabbing on to your own understanding, you trying to grab on to your own holiness, you trying to grab on to your own, you know, I think I got this. It's like you slipping off the side of a cliff and you grab on to a spider web. It won't hold. It won't hold you. It can't save you. Only Jesus can. And if you're, if, and it starts by each and every one of us. If you've never put your trust in Jesus, it's grabbing on to the chain that is the good news of Jesus, that he died on the cross for your sin and experienced temporary separation from his father so you wouldn't have to experience eternal separation from your heavenly father. He did all that you can, and he has thrown that rope. He has thrown that chain that is strong enough. All you have to do is grab a hold of it and trust it doesn't mean you have to have it all figured out. No, you just grab a hold of, the, of Jesus and who he is and what he's done. And once you've done that with salvation, keep doing it. These Christians here trusted in God to forgive them of their sins, but they and trusted that they would be in heaven one day. But in the meantime, they're like, ah, look, we're just going to live our own lives. No, no, no. Keep holding on to God in all things. Hold on to his word. If you want to walk in his ways, hold on to his word. Trust in Jesus. Trust in his word, entrust every area of your life. A true, a true and mature believer in Christ Jesus is one who every time is giving more and more of their sovereignty up to God and saying, Lord, I give you this area, I give you this relationship, I give you this, I give you that, I give you this, I give you my life. That is how we find life. When we trust in all things and when we walk according to his ways, that's important. That's important and understand guys what the will of God is so important that when we walk by the will of God, when the will of God is done, the work of the enemy is undone. When, we, when, the, when the will of God is done, the work of the enemy in the world, in your life, it is undone because their grip on you is nothing but just spider webs according to the power of God in you. So all of it, you, when you surrender it all to him and you say, God, I trust in you, you will walk in greater freedom. But we have to trust in God and then act. Say, Lord, my amen turn into my action. And when the more of us do that, you know, we're going to look like this little diffuser. This diffuser is pumping out a smell. It smells really good. I'm the only one that can smell it because I'm right here. But this diffuser is too small for this room. Imagine if I had this room riddled with these diffusers. Everybody would smell it. The more of us that walk according to the will of God... Listen, that sweet salvation is the aroma that's in us. And the more the life vapor of our lives, okay, the more the life vapor of our lives is is pumping out into this world, and the more of us that walk according to the will of God, the more that sweet aroma is going to fill the world with the knowledge of the glory of God. And the more God's will is done, the work of the enemy is undone. And we won't show the world a way to cope. No, we show them true hope. That is what God offers us, and that is what the world needs. So let me tell you, listen, life is short. My time is up. My time is up. You don't know how much time you have left. Just to be real. Life is short. Eternity is long. And we don't have time to waste. The time you have left is all that you have left. So put procrastination Put that for tomorrow and pray today and every day. Lord, turn my amen into action so that I can experience the transformation in the truth of your love. Let's pray that today. I want you to bow your heads and I want you to ask yourself, are you accounting for God? That's how you make today count. Are you accounting for God or are you living like, I'm going to live forever? There's a truth to that. You are going to live forever. You will either spend an eternity with God or you're going to spend an eternity without him. And tomorrow, you don't know if you're going to have another opportunity today. God has called some of you to do something small. So many times we want God, God, I want to do something big for you. Yeah, you're not willing to do something small. Listen. There is nothing too small for God. Something small would make an eternal difference always. So Holy Spirit, I ask you right now, you are the only one, God, when we come into an agreement with you, God, when we say amen and agree with you, you're the only one that can turn that amen into action. And so God, right now, I pray that you may lead us to take appropriate action right now. Take appropriate action right now, Lord. If there is some of us that we are not surrendering every area of our life, we, we, we don't want, we're afraid to trust you with our financial, we're afraid to trust you with our school, with our career. We're, we're, we're not, we're, we're allowing you, Lord. We say, okay, God, let work in my life here, 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 but I I still want to do this, 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 even though, yeah, I know it's not right, but I still want to do it anyway, so i still bless me. God, forgive us for our arrogance forgive us Lord if we attempt to try to fix the problems in this world or the problems in our nation and yet Lord we are not willing to allow you to fix the problems in our own heart Lord may it start with us may it start with us Lord because I know we know that when the will of God is done inside of the church the work of the enemy is undone in the world and so Lord start with us start with us there is a lost and dying world that is at war with each other and then it is at war with you and they will never, no one, they will not find peace aside from you. And so Lord, make a difference in us, God. Make a difference in us. May it begin here. May we, Lord, truly understand and appreciate all that you have given us, all that you are. May we surrender all things. May we lay it down at your feet. And may it begin with our lives. If you have never placed your trust and confidence in Jesus, listen, you, ain't no, you have no clue what living means yet. You have not even begun to live. You've just existed up until now. But when you give your life to Jesus, you don't just exist, you have life. And so if you agree with me that Jesus is real, that Jesus died on the cross for your sins, for your faults, for your mistakes, All you have to do is let your amen become an action right now and call on the name of Jesus and say, Lord, forgive me of my sins and fill me, Lord, with your spirit so I can follow you, so I can find life. Lord, here is my life, it's yours. And I receive life in Jesus' name. If that's you, God, we are praying for you right now that the Holy Spirit allow you to make that choice, that decision to turn and see Jesus right now. If you're watching online and we're, we're live, I want you to let me know I'm saying yes to Jesus for the first time. If that's you, even in here, just raise your hand to be able to say, I am saying yes. God, here, take my life right now. Take my, fa- my faults, take my everything, Lord. Make my life right, right now. Those who are praying that, he is doing that. And we are praying in Jesus' name for all those we believe that God is doing and working in our lives. But for the rest of us, listen, don't just trust in Jesus with your sins. That is just the beginning. Trust him with everything, with your kids, with your family, with your future, with your today. May we live our life with an open hand. I want, I want us, if you're a believer in Christ now, you've get, I want you to just have your hand open in front of you and let's just pray. Let that be a symbol. Open your hand. Just leave it out open in front of you and pray, Lord, help me live like this. Help me live with an open hand. God, that you may remove what needs to be removed right now in the name of Jesus. May we not hold on to the things that you want to take away. No, Lord. We surrender our hopes, our dreams, our desires, our wishes, our actions, our behaviors, our attitudes. Lord, may we live like this with an open hand always, trusting in you to guide us, to lead us by the hand. May you be sovereign over everything in our life. May you be sovereign over what we do. May you be sovereign over what we say. May you be sovereign over our entertainment, our thoughts. Be sovereign, Lord Jesus. May we learn to surrender daily to you so that you can lead us, Lord, into true life and that, that by us living in this way, Lord, others may receive the life that you have deposited in us. We give you all the glory. We give you all the praise. Now, Lord, may, the, may our amen turn into action in Jesus name we pray. Amen. Amen. In Jesus Christ, we have the power to go against procrastination. We have the ability through the Holy Spirit by faith and by his grace to not go against our better judgment, but instead be obedient to Christ, trusting in him so that he can make things better in us and through us. So I want to challenge you guys. It's I know, look, life can get overwhelming. Okay. Life can be difficult, but listen, this is all about priorities. Put first things first. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and all things will be added unto you. Right? Well, this is what a revolutionary, this is the kind of revolutionary that Jesus needs. And he's looking for people who put him first, revolve their entire life around Christ at the center. And that is a progress as a process that you and I are called to do laying everything down, surrendering all things, submitting to God more and more so we can get better and better at walking in his will because when the will of the Lord is done the work of the enemy is undone so put off procrastinating your faith and following Jesus and God's will put off procrastinating for tomorrow always always put it for tomorrow okay because the right time to follow Jesus the right time to lean on him the right time to trust in him the right time to obey is always today it's always right now